Okay, a reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And so Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which he called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who is with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all of these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. this time, <clears throat> if we have children that would like to go to children's worship, they can be dismissed right out the back, right out there with Asher, and he'll take them with them. Pardon my, <clears throat> pardon my voice. I seem to have come down with something this week, and it just wants to hang on and hang on. I went to the doctor, and had all the wonderful tests that they love to do nowadays and uh, just <clears throat> seems to be hanging on. So someone threatened me this morning and said, don't you dare cut it short. <clears throat> I may not have any choice in the matter. Well, Merry Christmas. It's good to be with you as always. I'm going to actually ask my wife if I could have another of those cough drops she's been keeping in her pocket for me. Just... Nope, that's good. Thank you. This is how this is called professionalism right here. You guys know we're pretty laid back here. So I hope you're okay if I do this so I can get through. 
It is always a joy to break open the word of God with you all and proclaim the good news. So go ahead and open your Bible to Matthew chapter 1, if you've got it with you. I've already heard the account of the nativity from the book of Luke, but now we're going to dive into Matthew. Now, over the last few Sundays, we've been just kind of leading up to Christmas by going through the family line of Jesus in a sermon series that I've called Family Christmas. And we've been looking at individual people from the family line of Jesus. We looked at Rahab, we looked at Ruth and Boaz, and King David. And today we come to Mary and Joseph, and most importantly, Jesus himself. We're going to read Matthew 1, 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray and ask God to help us understand and apply it to our lives. God, as we come to your word, I pray that the attitude of our heart would be one of openness, of, of saying, God, I'm going to sign my name here on this blank check and you fill it in with whatever you want that we would be obedient. We would come with a heart of, I'm going to obey what this says. That, that what God, how this applies to my life, I'm going to put it into practice. But God, ultimately that we would come with a heart that seeks to glorify and honor you. And we pray that that's what would happen this morning in this time, that you would be honored and glorified. That you would change our hearts because you've been honored and glorified and lifted high. Because we know your word is power. And I pray that you would help me to get through what I need to say this morning. I pray that you would sustain my voice and the energy level. But God, most of all, I pray you would increase and that I would decrease. That you would be big here, Jesus, this morning. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. I want to begin by talking about who, for years, I have thought was kind of, I've called him the forgotten participant. Okay, the guy that I think gets overlooked the most in the nativity story. His name is Joseph. You may have heard of him. I don't know if you've seen that little meme going around online. It's a picture of, it's an art, an image, or like a painting or a drawing of the nativity. But it's like they're silhouettes. And the way it looks, it says it's great to see Joseph on vocals and Mary on keyboards, you know, and because it looks like she's, she's at the manger, but it looks like she's playing keyboards, and it looks like instead of a staff that he's got a microphone anyway. We don't know a whole lot about Joseph, but we do know a few things. We don't, we don't really hear anything about him after Jesus has grown. We still hear about Mary, but that's probably because we, uh, assuming that he probably died by then, we just don't know. 
But we do know a few things from this account. The first one, Joseph was a common man. He was a common man. He worked with his hands. Now, he was a craftsman or a builder. Now, I know commonly we say he's a carpenter. Well, the Greek word in scripture that's been translated as carpenter was probably more likely, uh, like more akin to a stonemason, as most buildings back then were not actually built from wood. Uh, It was more likely stone. Uh, Trees would not have been readily available. And so Joseph was a common man. He worked with his hands. He was a blue-collar guy. He was from a little town called Nazareth. But his family city, where his family, because he was from the line of David, was Bethlehem. We've been talking a lot about Bethlehem throughout the people we've talked about uh, in the family line of Jesus. And this Joseph, this common guy, was betrothed to a virgin girl named Mary. Now, betrothal is not the same as engagement, or at least not as we think of engagement. I actually uh, once took part in a betrothal ceremony Um, which was a kind of a unique circumstance, okay? That's not something you would normally be a part of. Um, But a betrothal was one year in length. And once, uh, once it was set up for these two to be married, they would be betrothed to one another for one year, and they would live and treat each other in every way like they were married except for the area of physical intimacy. The wife would stay with her family, and the husband would still live in his house for one year during that betrothal period. It was so serious that to break a betrothal required a divorce. Now, so Joseph, we have a common man betrothed to Mary. But secondly, we have Joseph who was a common man with an uncommon dilemma. Can we say that? Back then, this was not a common dilemma for him to have. His betrothed is pregnant. And he knows for certain it's not his baby. Now, what are the questions that arise here? When we think about Joseph, and and they do a really good job portraying, if you've seen the movie The Nativity Story with Oscar Isaac, um, they do a really good job kind of portraying the gossip and the people talking about them and kind of the dirty looks they would have gotten from people uh, in that little town. And so not everything in that movie is biblically accurate. I'm just going to tell you they miss a lot of stuff in there. Um, But that, I thought, was pretty, pretty well done. Is he embarrassed? Is he embarrassed that, okay, do people think it's my baby? But I know it's not my baby. But so is he embarrassed by that? Is he hurt because he thinks she's been stepping out on him during their betrothal period? Well, He's got this uncommon problem, but we know he's an honorable man. He didn't want any harm to come to Mary. He was unwilling to accuse her, unwilling to to have any bad thing happen to her. And so he kind of resolved he was going to put her away quietly. Ladies, doesn't that sound great? Put her away quietly. So she could have been stoned. If he had accused her of adultery, if he accused her of stepping out on their betrothal, he he could have had her killed. That's what the law, that was one of the things that the law said, was that she could have, for, for doing that, for betraying, if that's what had happened, she could be stoned to death and killed. But he didn't want any harm to come to her because he was an honorable man. So, third, Joseph made an uncommon decision. Wouldn't you say that? 
He made an uncommon decision. If I was Joseph, honestly, guys, I'd probably be like, hey, I don't know what you've done. You're saying it's God that, that, that did this, uh, but I only know one way that that happens because like, we have hindsight. We look back on virgin birth and we, we know the story, right? And we're like, of course God did that. But back then, this was unheard of. Unless you remembered the prophecy and understood it completely. But this was unheard of. One of the amazing things about the Christmas story is this. This is just one point of so many points where this thing could have just fallen completely apart if God was not in control of it. If he hadn't ordained and directed things to go the way they did, there were these moments where things could have just collapsed on the whole story. And that should increase our faith in the sovereignty of God and his rule and reign over our lives. Joseph made an uncommon decision. Well, he he had some help in that, right? He gets visited by an angel in a dream, and the plan is laid out for him. What to name this kid? This kid's going to be born, and you name him Jesus. He would save the people from their sins. Now, this is in fulfillment of Isaiah 7.14, which says, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, I understand how they might have misinterpreted that. Because they didn't understand that a virgin could have a baby. Like, they, they, they wouldn't have a category for that. So we've got Joseph, this common man with an uncommon dilemma, who makes an uncommon decision. And then secondly, we have Mary. Normal Jewish girl, Mary. Much has been made of Mary over the years. Some other streams of belief have all sorts of different and, quite frankly, unbiblical ideas about her. I'll just say this. She was a normal Jewish virgin girl. One of the misconceptions about her is that she remained a virgin after Jesus was born. That's simply not true. We know from the scriptures she had other children and they were created in the normal way that children are created. She was probably, though, at this point, around 14 years of age when this occurred. And she'd been betrothed to this man, Joseph. And we read about the message sent to her in Luke chapter 1, 26 through 38. And it says this, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. 
Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So we have Mary, this common Jewish girl, who gets an uncommon visit. Mary gets an uncommon visit. Gabriel comes with a message. She'd found favor with God. She was chosen for this task. She was chosen for this mission. She's going to become pregnant with the Son of God. And what was Mary's response to this uncommon visit of an angel with this wild message for her? Well, Mary exhibited an uncommon obedience. She doesn't understand how all this could happen. She, doesn't, she just doesn't understand how it could all happen. But she submits to the plan anyway. Understand, it was inconvenient. And when God, some of us, we see something God wants us to do. We see something in scripture that God wants us to do, or we understand, we're like, I know God wants me to do this. And we're like, that's really inconvenient for me. This was inconvenient for Mary. Guess what? It was also dangerous. She was, technically, she was unmarried. She was betrothed and pregnant. And she could be killed. It was unprecedented. I got really sick of that word in the last two or three years. (laughs) Unprecedented. But this was unprecedented. There was no category for this. And what did she do? She embraced this unexpected plan with trust. How many of us would answer the same way? Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I don't know about you, but my response generally involves a lot more kicking and screaming. When there's something inconvenient and dangerous that I'm supposed to be doing. But what does Mary, how does she respond? She gives an uncommon obedience and then she offers an uncommon praise. Luke 1, 39 through 56. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. Mary's response to this uncommon plan is confirmed in praise. Excuse me, her response to the plan being confirmed. She shows up and Elizabeth is pregnant, just like the angel said. 
The plan is confirmed to her, and her response is praise. It's worship. In that song that she has there, we call the Magnificent. She hears and sees that God has done what God said he would do, and her response to it is praise and worship. Friends, our response to God's plan should also be obedience, yes, and praise. When God's plan is being fulfilled, we should praise. We should worship him. And as we wait for his plan to be revealed, shown, fulfilled, we should do so in obedience, saying, let it be to me as you say. And then the third thing I want you to see about Mary, though, is this faithful servant who's willingly obedient despite this, this danger and this inconvenience, is that this faithful servant eventually becomes a disciple. She becomes a follower of Jesus. The mother becomes a follower. She recognizes her place following and submitting to the Lord, her Savior. She doesn't get a complex about raising the Son of God. Because remember, she surrendered to the plan of the Lord, the will of the Lord. And we find faith in this story in some really unexpected places, some unexpected circumstances. She has all these unexpected, crazy things happen to her, Joseph as well. And their response is, let it be as the Lord says. Their response is to respond. Joseph responds obediently, and he just does what God has said to do. In Mary's story, we see that faith in unexpected circumstances. So the question for us is, will you obey God when things look bleak or dangerous, or you aren't even sure how it could happen? Like, like I don't even know how to do that. I don't know how that's going to happen, God. I don't, know, I don't know how this, like I read and I see it, and I just don't know how that's going to work out. Will you trust and put your hope in God even during that? See, the point here, because I don't want this to get twisted, the point here isn't how great Mary was. The point is that God used her and showed himself faithful by fulfilling the promise and sending the Redeemer, the Son of God, to save sinners, of whom Mary was also. See, this whole, this whole family Christmas thing is to show us that this, we look through this line, we look at all these people who are, they got messed up lives, right? Rahab was a prostitute, King David uh, had his sins and problems, right? And we see that God worked through all of it to bring about Jesus. To bring about Jesus into the line of David. See, the Bible tells us something. The Bible tells us that through Jesus, God has adopted those who trust in him into his family. So we've talked a lot about the family line of Jesus. How uh, Rahab, who was an outsider, was grafted into the family line of Israel. We read about um, how Ruth was an outsider, actually a Moabite, one of the enemies of Israel, and she was grafted into 
the nation of Israel and the family line of Jesus. See, the Bible tells us that God has adopted those of us who've trusted him into his family. Ephesians 1, 5 through 6. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. There's a doctrine of adoption in Scripture about how through Christ, God adopts us into his family. I want to show you something. Jesus was adopted. Joseph wasn't his dad, right? God was his father. Joseph raised him, but Joseph adopted Jesus as his own. He raised Jesus with Mary as long as he was around from what we can tell. And our Lord, who lived a perfect life on earth as the adopted son of Joseph, offers us adoption into the family of God. Let me show you something. Pay attention to the word adopted when it pops up. Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. And John 1, 12 through 18 says this, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this is he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the father's side. He has made him known. Because of Jesus coming and completing his mission of redemption, we can be adopted into the family of God. Joseph adopting Jesus pictures us being adopted by God. How great is that? Even in the little things that we don't think about, God is still showing us his plan of redemption. And more, look at that John passage again. Jesus came and revealed God to us. Christmas means we can know God because he's been revealed in Jesus. Through him and him alone can we have life, abundant and eternal. Look, I understand the holidays can be a sad time for people, especially if you've got a lot of family strife. But Jesus has come, and he offers us a chance to be part of God's family, to be adopted in and become children of God. Not all people are children of God. A lot of people say that, well, we're all God's children. No, not in this way. But those who receive him get to be called children of God. The gospel is good news. We go from enemies of God to adopted sons of God. That is incredible news. The joy to the world indeed, right? So we should be sharing this message that 
Jesus came. It's what we celebrate. Wrapped in human flesh, 100% man, 100% God, born of a virgin, as the scriptures foretold, grew up, never sinned, lived a perfect life, and gave that perfect life on the cross in the place of sinners, because see, we're all sinners. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we all deserve God's judgment. We deserve God's wrath poured out upon us. But Jesus, for those who trusted in Christ, Jesus took that wrath. He took that punishment on the cross for our sins, and in exchange offers us, gives us his righteousness, his right standing before God. The the word is imputed or, or put on us, put on our account, so that when God looks at us in Christ, once we're adopted in the family of Christ, when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin, but he sees Jesus' righteousness. Friends, that's great news, because that means we can live eternally with Jesus in heaven. And then to prove that what he said he would do had actually occurred, and to prove that God accepted his sacrifice on the cross as sufficient for your sin and my sin, three days later, he got up out of the grave and rose to life by the power of God. That's the good news. And the Bible tells us to repent of our sin, turn away from our sin, change the way we think and act towards our sin, and believe this good news. And that's the only way that we can be saved and experience eternal life. So the question, I'm going to invite the musicians to come back up towards the stage. The question for you is, how does that message change the way you live your life? There's maybe two kinds of people here. I want to talk to both of you. First is someone who would say they're, they're not a Christian. They've never trusted the wrath of God. I want to, or they've never trusted the grace of God, sorry, the gospel. If you've never come to know Jesus, I want to invite you. Will you admit that you're a sinner and deserve wrath? Believe in your heart that Jesus is the son of God, that he died for your sin and that God raised him from the dead and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Let today be the day of your salvation. For the Christian sitting here, let Christmas drive you to worship because you've been adopted into the family of God. Because when we experience hardship and suffering, we don't go through it alone, but we have a God who walks through it with us, who has experienced it, who's been tempted in every way as we have. Because he's not a God who wants to stay at a distance. He's a God who came to be Emmanuel, which means God with us. Trust fully in God's plan, even in unexpected circumstances. It isn't easy, but Jesus is worth it. When you feel like you're the worst, you just messed all this up, you just feel like a big sinner, I want to tell you that puts you in really good company because that's exactly who Jesus came to save. Would you stand and pray with me? Lord God, as we come to this uh, time of, of continuing to worship through song, and then as we all go out and go off to our festivities, I pray that the message of this good news of the gospel would ring in our ears and in our hearts, and that our lives would change. The, the way we act towards strangers, the way we act towards people we know, God, the 
the way we act towards our time with you and your word would change because you came to dwell among us and die in our place for our sins, Jesus. Let that be the thing that people know about us more than anything else. And God, remind us of the gospel every day. Every day, whether we're doing great or whether we feel like we're royally messing it up, remind us again and again of the gospel that you came and died and we can be forgiven. We don't have to dwell. We don't have to dwell on that. We don't have to, or we don't have to dwell on our sin. We don't have to uh, live in it any longer, but we can have victory because you won the victory. Help us to trust you and to walk full of grace forward. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's sing together again.